anyway, I want to tell you a story about, um, um, by the way, I'm Todd. Thank you. And uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Glad Tidings. Uh, so I want to tell you this story, but a couple had had a kitten. And this kitten um, went up a tree, and they couldn't get the kitten down. And so they tried to coax it with milk and all that kind of stuff, but the kitten wouldn't come down. And the tree wasn't sturdy enough to climb. So they come up with an idea. What they decided to do was get a ladder, step ladder, and they climbed up the step ladder and tied a, a rope on the tree. And then they decided that they would tie the rope to the hitch on their vehicle. And they edged the vehicle forward, and the tree started to bend. And so they, the more they moved the car forward, the more the tree bent. And just as they were in reach of grabbing the kitten, the rope broke, and the tree went boing, and the cat, the kitten went flying in the air. Now, I think that the Humane Society may have some issues with that. So anyway, they, they were like just like horrified and, and felt really bad and they went door to door and, and, and knocked on doors and they put up posters and, but they couldn't find the kitten. A couple of days later, they're in the grocery store and uh, they uh, uh, happened to bump into a friend of theirs who hates cats. And, but the friend was buying cat food and they said, why are you buying cat food? We know that you hate cats. And she said, you're not going to believe what happened. She said, my daughter has been bugging me for a kitten for months. And she's been driving me crazy. And the other day, out of sheer frustration and to sort of get rid of her, she said, I said to her, now, honey, listen. If you pray for a kitten and God gives you one, then we'll keep it. And she said, I watched her go out the back door go out in the backyard and kneel down in the grass, and wouldn't you believe it? A cat comes flying out of the clear blue sky, paws spread, and lands right in front of her. <clears throat> I... I uh... I, rem- I don't know what happened. I remember that this morning. The, the, I woke up at 5.30 this morning, and this story was going through my head, and I thought I'd share with it. So this is the last day we're going to do morning groaners, and so, um, because it's starting to really be bad. Uh, so um, I got a couple that a few people sent me. So an invisible man marries an invisible woman. The kids weren't nothing to look at either. Now this one here is for Sudbury, because we're such a hunting culture. I went to buy some camouflage pants the other day, but I couldn't find any. Two antennas met on a roof. They got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. And that's it. Okay, let's stand together and... um, we are, uh, for those of you that are visiting with us today, we welcome you. Stand to stand. And uh, for those of you that are watching online, uh, we welcome you as well. And uh, we, this is our final installment of the songs of Christmas. And we've been looking at the songs of Christmas, which really aren't songs at all. They're sayings. But uh, we call them the songs of Christmas. And today is Simeon's song. And it is a very strategic song, not just in the scriptures, but it is the song that sort of turns the corner for us. And it moves us away from Christmas and moves us toward 
Easter. And you'll see what I mean in a couple of minutes. And so that's why this morning we are going to share communion together. It's not our normal day to share communion. I wanted to end the year 2017 with communion. And I wanted to start, next week we'll have communion again. I want to start the new year with communion. And uh, so we're going to read this text. It's from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. If you're new to the Bible, uh, go to the table of contents at the front. If not, just go to the, about two-thirds through the Bible, and you'll come to the New Testament. And then Matthew is the first one, Mark's the next one, and then the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. If you got your device, you know how to find it very easily. And this is what it says. I'm reading red, and you're reading uh, black. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. A little too much Christmas there, huh? For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles of the glory and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Excellent. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this glorious time of year. And so now we pray as we conclude this series on the songs of Christmas, that once again this morning, that you by your grace would give us a voice to speak, ears to hear what the Spirit says, eyes and hearts and minds to understand and comprehend so that we can leave this place. And when we do, that we can, in our relationships and our marriage and our families and our homes and our neighborhoods and our city and our workplaces, and the places that we recreate, and all other places, that we would live out in tangible, physical, meaningful ways what it means to be Christ followers and disciples. And this we pray in Christ's name and for his name's sake. Amen. Why don't you be seated? Now, if you're anything like I am, that the days after Christmas can be a little bit disappointing, maybe, Uh, Part of the holiday wasn't exactly, didn't meet up to your expectations, or uh, maybe you're just not prepared to have it end yet. We also know that Christmas can be, the days after Christmas can also be a little bit depressing. You know, a white Christmas is great, but a long, white, cold January, February, and March, not so much. And then there are the MasterCard and the Visa bills and all of that. And I wonder, I wonder, if the days after the birth of Christ, if Mary and Joseph didn't somehow feel a little similar. You know, that 
night when uh, the baby was born in the stable, and then, of course, the shepherds, and all of the stuff that took place, you got to wonder if the days after Christmas were like that for Joseph and Mary. And in the days to come, they had to take the bad news with the good news. Now, the Christmas story continues here, 40 days after, actually, the birth of Jesus, And our text tells us that Mary and Joseph have come to the temple. And the reason why they've come to the temple, because 40 days after, actually the law said that if a woman gave birth to a son, that she was ceremonial unclean for 40 days. And after 40 days, she was to come into the temple, and she was to sacrifice a lamb as a burnt offering and a pigeon as a sin offering for the cleansing of both her and the baby. And of course, if they were poor, they could use a pigeon for both. And of course, Joseph and Mary were poor. So they come into the temple and they offer this pigeon for a burnt offering and a pigeon for a sin offering so that the baby and Mary are ceremonially cleansed. And so as they come into the temple, there we are introduced to Simeon. Now, who is Simeon? Now, it doesn't take many words to describe a person. For example, pleasant, kind, gracious, generous, mean, friendly, warm, aloof, cold, outgoing, shy, gregarious, spiritual, righteous, wicked, and the list goes on. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Simeon from the text that is assumed that he is an elderly man, and Luke doesn't say a whole lot about him except this. He says that this man was both righteous and devout, or just and devout. In other words, he was righteous and just toward other people, and he was devout toward God. But he's also described as waiting. And his waiting is described specifically that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, waiting conjures up all kinds of images and memories and emotions and probably frustrations. So think of something. Think of something this morning that you have been waiting for or you are waiting for currently. Think of something. Maybe it's a vacation like Pastor Kevin and Leanne who are going to Florida on Friday for two weeks. Or maybe it's the last week or two of a pregnancy, and you can't wait to get it over with. Or maybe you're a parent, and you can't wait for school to begin again. Or, and I see hands raised. Or maybe um, it's it's family, extended family, in-laws, and uh, you're just waiting for them to leave. Or maybe it's just for life to get back to normal. Now, don't answer this out loud, but here's my question. Are you a good waiter? Are you a good... I told you not to answer it loud. Are you a good waiter? Do you wait well? Now, I am not a good waiter. Pastor Kevin, I told you not to be talking. Now... But what I discovered is I'm not alone, that most of us are not that great at waiting. That we get annoyed and cranky 
When we have to wait in line at a store or a traffic light, which means we're cranky a lot. Yesterday, I was down south and I pulled into this Canadian Tire gas bar and I pulled in and it was every, every stall, every pump was full and there were a couple cars waiting. And I pulled in behind this Ford Escape, this white Ford Escape, and I waited and I waited. And a couple of times I put the car in reverse to try maybe go to another lane, but it was so full. And I waited and I waited. So finally, out of frustration, I backed up and I pulled over and I found a pump that was open. So I walked into the store and I said to the lady to pay for my gas. And I said, I said, is the Ford Escape over there broken down? Because I noticed that I had to wait and wait and wait and it still didn't move. And now I notice that there's another car waiting. <clears throat> and she said, no. She said, I think it belongs to that man. And there was a man in the, over there, and you know what he was doing? He was reading the newspaper. Oh my, yes. And I got to tell you, at that moment, my sanctification was not working well. And there were moments that I, there was a moment that I thought, I feel like going over and saying, pal, wake up and smell the chaos. And taking the newspaper and never mind. But Simeon is described as waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, God said through the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, Comfort, comfort my people Israel, and speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And Jesus sort of immortalizes these words of Isaiah when he says in Matthew's gospel, Come to me all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then David actually picks up and echoes, or not David, sorry, Paul echoes this same sentiment when he comes to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, where he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So who needs to hear this message? Who here in this room or watching online needs to hear this message? Well, obviously, those who are hurting and suffering, but there are many different kinds of hurt and suffering. So who qualifies for consolation? Who qualifies for comfort? Well, Israel certainly qualified and continues to qualify for consolation and comfort. Matter of fact, during Isaiah's time, 700 years before Jesus, they were two generations deep into Babylon. They were uprooted, they were far away, and, and they were cut off from their homeland, and in many ways, they were separated from God. And in Simeon's day, while they're back in their homeland, in many ways, they are still under the incredible pressure and power of the Romans, so Israel needed consolation and comfort. Eric Erickson once said, discomfort over being rootless, cut off, and separated. For example, a sick person needs consolation and comfort because of being separated from physical health and vitality. A bereaved person needs, to, needs comfort and consolation 
because they are separated by death from a spouse or a loved one, a child or a friend. And all of us, all of us need consolation and comfort because in many ways we are separated from our origins in God. Now, the consolation and the comfort of Israel is not a what. It's a who. This is not what Simeon is waiting for. It is who or whom Simeon is waiting for. And they are still waiting. But consolation speaks of our longings for healing and restoration from our past losses and from our miseries and from the regrets of life. And then it says about Simeon that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Very interesting phraseology. Very interesting phrasing. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. There's a text in John's Gospel that's very interesting. And in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, now this he said about the Spirit, and here it is, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet... The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'll come back to that in a moment. And then it says about Simeon, and it had been revealed to him by this Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then it says that he was, he was by the Spirit led into the temple. Now, the same phrase that's used here is the same phrase that's used in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, of the disciple John when it says this, And John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, Simeon is presented here as a man of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. He is consciously aware of what's happening, that's important, And he is consciously mindful that he is being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, there is an opportunity here for us to learn a few things about how the Holy Spirit operates and works. Now, some people misunderstand what it means to be led by the Spirit. And other people make it far too mystical than it needs to be. When we are led by the Spirit, we do not lose consciousness. Matter of fact, when we are led by the Spirit, God often uses our personalities and our circumstances and our situations. And that's one of the miracles of it because it is a natural, supernatural reality. So who knows? Maybe Simeon had other plans that day. Maybe he would stay home or go and visit his grandkids. Maybe his garden needed to be tended to, or maybe he needed to take his dog for a walk. But in the midst of all of that, he senses a nudging, a prompting. And he says to himself, I think I'm going to go to the temple today. And so he makes his way through the narrow cobblestone streets and he comes to the temple 
And even when it's not a holiday, the streets would have been filled with worshipers and pilgrims the same way a massive crowd is at the mall on Boxing Day. It's that sort of event. And then the last thing that Luke implies about him is that he is looking. He's looking for this something. And as he is looking, he spots the couple. He walks over, and he pauses for a moment, and he says to Mary, May I? In other words, may I take the baby? Now, by now, Mary and Joseph have learned to expect the unexpected. And as he takes the child into his arms, he speaks his song. And that brings us to the first stanza of Simeon's song. It says, For now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. It is a now moment. Now is a timeline. We use it all the time. I use it, you use it, we use something like this. Now, we can start. Now, we can eat. Now, we can go. For Simeon, this is a now moment. Where he says, now, Lord, I can depart in peace. Now I am ready to die. Now you can take me. And this is where Simeon's song gets its title, its Latin title, Nunc Dimittis. It means literally in the Latin, now depart. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. And there's that word again. That theme that keeps popping up over and over again in the Christmas story, peace, shalom. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago, Frederick Buechner said in Hebrew, peace, shalom means fullness, means having everything you need to be holy and happily yourself. And Simeon holds Jesus in his arms and he thanks God for allowing him to see the child. Because with his physical eyes, he is looking at a helpless little baby. But with the eyes of his heart, he sees the salvation of the world. And this is the good news. This is the good news. For my eyes have seen the salvation, have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all your people, of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The incarnation of God in, through, and as Jesus Christ was not something that was done in secret. Matter of fact, it is like a it is woven throughout the Old Testament like a ribbon. It starts in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where God says to Satan via the snake he says, "You will bruise his heel, but he, the son Jesus, will crush your In Genesis chapter 12, he says to Abraham, he says, through your seed, not Isaac, but 
Jesus who was in Isaac's loins at this time, through this seed, through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And we move through it through Genesis and Numbers and a thousand years later to David. And then we come to Isaiah where he foretells this idea of a son being born of a virgin. And Micah even tells us that he is going to be born in Bethlehem. And this is just his birth. Not to mention his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection over and over and over. And Simeon found what or whom he was looking for and waiting for. And he took the child in his arms and he thanks God and he begins to pray, now Simeon can die a contented man. Now picture this. Here is an elderly man holding a baby. But the profound thing is that the baby is actually holding Simeon. Someone wrote, unusual, profound, ironic, and absurd even. Can you imagine looking into the little face of the one who made everything? A helpless little baby dependent on his parents for everything. Food, clothes, and shelter. The chubby cheeks, the dimpled hands, the dirty diapers. And that's what Simeon was doing. He was looking into the face of his salvation. He was looking into the face of God. The mystery is To a world in spiritual darkness, the light has come. Instead of silence, God is speaking again. His voice can be heard and seen. In a place of arrogance, misery, and sin comes life, hope, and help. Where there is doubt, there is now truth. Where there is despair, there is now hope. Sorrow gives way to comfort. Into brokenness, pain, and loss comes healing. And where there is sin and regret, there is forgiveness. And the wonderful truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, where Paul says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, in Jesus Christ. And that is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to, the God, to God for His glory. Remember those words in 2018. That all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. That everything that God has accomplished and afforded is available and applicable and applicable to your life and to my life. Remember those words in 2018. And this is the good news. But the bad news. Sorry, what is good news for everyone else is bad news for Mary and Joseph, especially Mary. Which brings us to the second stanza of Simeon's song. At first, Mary and Joseph must have felt like nothing short of parental pride. 
And his father and mother, verse 33 says, marveled at what had been said, and Simeon blessed them. And imagine the parental pride that Joseph and Mary must have felt at Simeon's words and blessing. This child was certainly someone special. But when Simeon speaks again, the hammer falls. And along with it, Joseph and Mary's chins. They must have thought, we can't be hearing him right. And parental pride gives way to parental pain. And Simeon said to Mary, very important to his mother, this child is appointed for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, that this child does not remain a baby. Isaiah in chapter 8 tells us this, that he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, and they shall fall and be broken, and they shall be snared and taken. And Jesus picks up the metaphor in Luke chapter 20. When he refers to himself and he says this, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus would eventually, this baby, would eventually be either a stumbling stone or a stepping stone. The fall and the rising of many. Jesus will either be a rock which we find and take refuge on, that we stand on, or he will be a rock on which we will be broken to pieces, crushed, is Jesus' words. How many of you have ever walked with a stone in your shoe? Is there anything more annoying and uncomfortable and eventually hurts like a stone in our shoe? But at the same time, It's the constant rubbing of sand that creates a pearl. Now, most of us know that Michelangelo was a masterful artist and sculptor. And most of us have seen, at least in picture form, have seen his colossal statue of David. It stands 17 feet high in Florence, Italy, And it's carved out of marble stone, one huge block. But what most people don't know is this. That the stone Michelangelo used was rejected by three other famous sculptors. But from this stone that they rejected, Michelangelo created a famous masterpiece. Jesus is recorded in Mark as saying, have you not heard the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then Simeon says, and a sign, that he will be a sign that is opposed. That his name would be a name to be profaned. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that people only swear and damn other people and other things in God's name? In Jesus' name. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, even atheists, I find this amazing. Atheists who do not believe in God and do not believe in Jesus use his name to swear, to make a point. Have you ever noticed that they never swear in Buddha's name, oh, Buddha? Or they never swear in Muhammad's name, it's always Jesus' name. A sign to be opposed. And then the last thing he says is that And he says it to Mary, and notice now, this is very important and significant. Notice that he speaks now to Mary, not to Joseph. Now, we know, of course, because we know the end of the story, Joseph is not going to be around when the sword that pierces Mary's soul takes place. But Simeon doesn't know that, but still, his Song is addressed directly to Mary, not to Joseph. And he says, a sword will pierce through your own soul. And the sword that would pierce through Mary's soul would be seeing her son, now a baby, soon to be a man, die. And the sword that pierced Mary's soul happened at the cross. She suffered like no other mother would suffer. She suffered because Jesus died. And then she suffered because of the way he died. They hung him between two criminals, two thieves. And the inference was that he too was a criminal, but she knew different. And then she suffered because of where he died. The Bible tells us, the gospel writers tell us that it was a cosmopolitan, it was a multi-ethnic place. It was so multi-ethnic that Pilate had to write the inscription in Hebrew, Latin, sorry, in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek so that everybody passing by would be able to read it. When we see images, pictures of Jesus on the cross, we usually see him with a loincloth. It's an issue of dignity. But Jesus died completely naked, exposed to the world. And then finally, Mary suffered because of why Jesus died. He died for the sin of the world. He died for us. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. He died for our sin. 
But get this. But Mary also knew that her son died for her sin as well. It wasn't just my sin that put him on the cross. It wasn't just your sin that put him on the cross. It was his mother's sin that put him on the cross. And Simeon's prophecy not only concerns Israel, but all people everywhere at all times. And how accurate that prediction has been that no person, no person has affected the Jewish people, no person has affected the history of the world, no person has affected the past, the present, and the future like Jesus Christ. And no one has had an impact on the world like Jesus has had. And then he concludes with this. And with this, I'm concluding, and I'm going to invite the musicians to come. And the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Eventually, everyone, everywhere, everyone in this room, everyone watching online, and everyone that's going to watch this on the archive, and everybody at all times, have to come face to face with the question, what do I do with Jesus? He is either a rock on which we stand, in which we find refuge, or he is a rock on which we are broken to pieces. I want you to close your eyes. If you're watching online, I want you to close your eyes as well. Now, throughout the Christmas season, I have said a couple of times that this Christmas season is a great time for us to consider this question of what we're going to do about Jesus. It's a great time to say yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Now, many of us, of course, have done that. But some have not. And maybe in this room, there's somebody who have not yet made that decision. Maybe there's somebody online and you've not yet made that decision to say yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And this morning... We're going to do a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. And we're going to help you do that in just a moment. But the second thing is, Simeon's song is a corner moment. It moves us away from Christmas and points us in the direction of Easter. It helps us make that transition. And that's what communion is about this morning. It's about making the transition at the end of this year and coming into the new year. We'll celebrate it again next week on the first Sunday of the year. But I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand. And I'm going to ask Mike if he'll put up what is referred to as the prayer of repentance 
on the screen. Now, if you're in the room, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, if you're in the room and you've never said yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and today you would like to say yes, you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're watching online and you've never done that, and today you're going to say yes, today I'm going to do that. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this with you. And if you read this and you pray this, then you're saying yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You're saying, yes, I am deciding to be a Christ follower, to be a disciple of Jesus. And for those of us that are Christians, maybe this as we say it, not just as a help to for those who are saying yes for the first time, but maybe this morning that we, in a fresh way, rededicate ourselves as we say this, as we pray this prayer. And so if you're ready, let's pray. I renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God. I renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. I renounce all sinful desires that draw me from the love of God. I turn to Jesus Christ and accept Him as Savior. I put my whole trust in His grace and love. And I promise to follow and obey Him as my Lord. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, because of Jesus Christ and through the help and the participation of your Holy Spirit, we have prayed this prayer. And for us who are your followers today, it is a way of rededicating ourselves as we prepare in our hearts to come and share communion privately as individuals, as persons. And Lord, for those this morning that have prayed this prayer for the very first time, that have said yes to your offer of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, I pray that you will just begin to open the eyes of their hearts and even their physical eyes. Lord, to see the joy that joy would just bubble up from within in them, that there would be a new sense of peace, that it would feel like they've had a spiritual bath, <clears throat> that the weight is lifted off their shoulders. There's lots to learn, but that's for another day. Today, we're saying yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness. Amen?